Still Kirby. Lovely check. Kirby! Welcome back to another episode of Brand Kirby's Fight Club, your one-stop listen for all things Chelsea FCW. And of course, the absolute legend who is on absolute fire still, Fran Kirby. Uh, I'm merely one of your hosts. My name is Andre. I'm here with my co-host, Miriam. Miriam, how are you doing? I'm doing really good. I'm, I'm really excited. We've got eight goals to talk about today. Eight <laughs> goals. So many the goals. team has, has, has gone into full juggernaut mode. And yeah, we absolutely need to talk about it. Um, we got some good feedback on our new format. So we're going to keep that going. Uh, we, as, as, as Mario mentioned, we have eight goals and two, uh, eight goals across two matches to talk about. Uh, we're actually going to start with the match that happened uh, first, which was Chelsea versus Arsenal. This was a match. If you guys listened to the pod we did before, we got in our heads a little bit at the end of the pod thinking like, oh, man, we just had that rough meeting versus Brighton. Uh, we're, we're, we don't really know what to expect. You know, with Arsenal, they are they had some injuries, but they were battling hard. And, you know, they always play us hard. They try to play us hard. <laughs> <laughs> and you know you just don't know what to expect and I think both of our predictions were 2-1 yeah that- we, both, we both went for the same thing didn't we oh I to be I went for 2-1 and then you came up and you were like oh I had the same prediction. no it was the opposite <laughs> <laughs> how dare you how dare you um but yeah but so no nobody gets any points I don't think we we were right in the total number of goals but we were wrong and who scored them uh, it was all Chelsea none for Arsenal uh, Pernil Harder scored two goals, uh, got herself a brace, 10 minutes apart, 48th minute, 58th minute. And Sam Kerr, or not Sam Kerr, sorry, Fran Kirby added the third in the 90th minute. So looking at this match, it was interesting to me because we started out flying. Like at the beginning of that match, I was like, oh yeah, this team is very angry. This team wants to dominate Arsenal. It's, it's, almost, it's almost one of those things where you know, we look at it on the outside and we're thinking, ooh, Bristol just kind of got in their heads a little bit, ended their streak, and now Arsenal comes to town. Perhaps Chelsea was looking at it as like, okay, now we get to, like, Arsenal's coming to town. We're actually really, like, we're even more motivated to get a result. And and perhaps they might be more motivated if they were keeping an eye on Arsenal's performance against Manchester City right before they played us. I had the, the opportunity to watch that game whilst Andrea was struggling with the FA player and trying to watch, you know, <laughs> yeah. trying to watch Chelsea. Meanwhile, I had my, my feet up and was watching Arsenal. And Chelsea, sorry, City did a very good job of keeping the midfield intact. And of course, it, it didn't help that um, Jordan Nobbs wasn't playing, but Van der Donk, you know, the, those players had absolutely no space to play in. And I think that Emma Hayes emulated that with her own team. And I think that, like you mentioned, it was such a quick start. We gave them no space to play in, in between the lines. And that's why I think aside from a few chances in the beginning, possibly Emma had a chance. I think she had an early chance. They didn't really have much in the way of attacking opportunities. We simply cut off that space. And then we had such a quick transition into our own counter-attacks that they just couldn't keep up. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, Yedema uh, did have that one chance that was, it, it required a, a really smart save from Berger, who got her left leg out low with the level with the ball just in time to keep it out. That was a really scary moment because the ball just kind of balanced and Yedema looked like she was going to take a touch and then she just kind of turned with it. And by the time she was level with the center back, it was really a problem and she was uh, charging towards goal. So the recovery probably kept her a little wider than she wanted to go, but she could definitely very easily score from that position. And so that was that was a little worrying, but really. 
that was the only worry of the match. Like, I don't remember too many other big chances, do you? No, I think that was pretty much it. The The main thing I think that we did well in to, to keep them contained and stop them from, from going on a madness that like we know they can do was the midfield. And I think, again, we've got to, we've got to highlight players like G and Lupoltz and the combination of, of sort of keeping the opposition reined in and, and then giving our attacking players a free license because Kirby's no longer in the in the role where she has to kind of come back and do a bit of defense. I mean, it's, it's her choice. She does it anyway. She's just natural in that sense. But the players have been giving a free reign to push forward. And I think that without certain key players that Arsenal are missing, and to be fair, the club's been a mess for a while. And I think Joe Montemiro in the, in, in the aftermath of the game mentioned it himself. I think I think we knew that they were ripe for for sort of they were there to be taken and we and we took the opportunity and I think we knew that based on the way Arsenal had been performing. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think what one thing I also really want to talk about was you know Pernell Harder's goals. The first one was that you know she got in that she's getting into those spaces that we talked about you know in the first half of the season. You know, we kind of always mentioned that we need to get her in those half spaces where G used to play and get into those space. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in the pod. We'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more, but you know, this first goal was one of those things where she, you know, the, I think it's actually Sam Kerr who uh, does some pressing and ends up uh, knocking the, knocking the ball away. Kirby gets the ball and then slides it over to Pernell Harder. Who's, you know, probably about at that point, about 25 yards from goal. She kind of takes a touch gets a little forward, gets it on a right foot and drills the ball across the face of goal and into the far side netting. Just really a a really precise strike from that kind of angle. And I think positioning is one thing that that's important to mention, because as you mentioned, the beginning of the season, it's something that she struggled with. Uh, She was definitely playing off left in, in a lot of games, but the timing was off almost on certain occasions, shots, chances. And now it seems everything's aligned. Uh, her spatial awareness and in amidst the Arsenal back four, it just sort of it creates so much chaos for their defenders that they didn't know where she was, and she found the perfect pockets of space, as you mentioned, the kind of the way that G almost would do. And I really, so I I think that goal is amazing. You should go check it out. Uh, we definitely retweeted it um, or posted a tweet about it on our account. Uh, follow us at Fran Kirby FC. I also want to talk about the the goal of the match for me yep. was <laughs> that second goal. That was that, that was almost like a training exercise to me. Like I'm sure the team has done that multiple times in training. It was a long ball, a drip. I, I think it's not just that it was a long ball for Millie Bright. She was in the middle of the center circle and she pings the ball out wide to Jonna Anderson. And it's, it's almost like it was a flat ball. It's almost like how you would hit it if you were shooting at goal almost. Like it did get up in the air and then drop down a little bit, but it was a really driven ball and it was meant to get there quickly, but also in a way that uh, Yana could control it really quickly. And she did. She takes one touch and her very next touch is a pass in the Fran Kirby who was running in behind. Fran Kirby drags a defender because you have to get with her. She, she's darting into the box, so you have to come with her. And Pernell Harder just follows her, follows her right into that space that she just vacated. Fran Kirby knows exactly what's going on. She puts the ball right back into that space that she just ran out of. And Pernell Harder gives it a one-time shot that just like, it was almost like it didn't need to be as vicious of a shot as it was <laughs> because there was no way the keeper was going to get to it anyway. But she hits it hard and it like curls into the roof of the net. It was a gorgeous goal. It's just like the the confidence, I think, is one thing that's important. That's why I always feel like um, Emma Hayes' approach to this game was an aggressive and, and, and a sort of fiery one because they knew, first of all, Arsenal aren't in a great form. 
is struggling. They were like key players. But then her response was was not even to think about, okay, we might want to rest players or we want to think rotation. She played a stronger starting eleven, and they yeah. pushed and they pushed and Arsenal simply could not hold Barrage back of goals and, and Harder and Kirby and Kerr were just too much. We're finding that where we used to struggle before for goals in this new formation and new role that Kirby's playing in, which we'll discuss a little bit more later. The issue we had with goals and, and clinical finishing, it's just completely been taken out of the picture. It's, it's a nice change of pace. <laughs> it's a fantastic change. And you know what? This is the team that we are expecting to see. You know, yeah. when it, when we got all the, you know, when everybody was looking at it and say, how are you going to play all those ta- attackers together? And, you know, once we knew once Emma Hayes figured out how to put them and get them in positions that they want to be in, that it was just going to be such a problem. And I think we're starting to see that. Uh, or we have been seeing that, and we're starting to see that it can be effective really versus any competition. Uh, one quick thing I want to talk about about the Arsenal match. It, well, two quick things. One was Fran Kirby's goal was amazing. Um, it was just really Bethany England laying the ball into space and Fran Kirby doing all of the rest to run away from Arsenal's defense. And I think that it was a, it was a really good solo goal from her. But I also think that her reaction to the goal, because she basically went down with a calf cramp, <laughs> I think that that exemplifies how difficult and what it what is required to win a match like that against a competition like that, 3-0. Because Arsenal had 66% of the possession, which is not normal for a Chelsea match. Like Chelsea is usually possessing the ball, and therefore we're able to move our opponents around. With Arsenal, we really had to do a lot of closing down a lot of running, a lot of making sure that they weren't going to, you know, be able to play their game. And that takes not only a lot of, of just tactical discipline, but it takes like a high level of concentration. It's mentally exhausting to do that and physically exhausting. I yeah. think we saw that in Frank Kirby's goal. Athleticism is another thing. And the reason why yeah. the squad is so fit is because Emma Hayes has adopted this style of pressing. And, and we mentioned before, pressing isn't something that's as common in the women's game as you see in, in in the men's side, like in teams like Liverpool, Man City, um, you know, it's it's not something that's common. And we struggled to do it in the start of the season when we were first coming across pressing as a team. We were just doing it sporadically or maybe one or two players. But pressing as a unit, that's incredibly hard. And like you mentioned, for that period of time without possession. And it's also interesting to think that she had the cramp, but she still was able to push through. She kept running. She was like, I'm going to score this goal if, if, I, if I break my legs, I get break, but I will score. And it was after the after she put it away, she did like a, a half a lap of celebration. And she was like, nope, nope, my leg, my leg is gone. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was very impressive to see. It was a great performance. It, it was exactly what we needed. Uh, I really, I really, you know, we knew the team would respond. But 3-0 versus Arsenal, you know, they still had, you know, Miedema out there. They still had, you know, Jordan Nobbs came on. They still had a very talented squad. I know they got injuries, but and they have their own issues. But, you know, that's a London derby and we needed to paint it blue. And we did. So, you know, that, that made us all feel so much better and made us be able to, like, look forward to the Bristol City match, which was, you know, just, what, three days after? Yeah, and we still managed to score how many goals? Five. <laughs> and you know what the wild thing about that match is that bristol's like the goalkeeper uh bagley she played so well because legit if you watch that match again i think seven to ten minutes into the match it could have been three nil like chelsea were all over them creating chances getting the ball in the box taking shots i mean she made at least two really good saves that i wouldn't necessarily expect a keeper to make and it could have been all over 10 minutes in 
as it was, it probably took until about halftime when it was 3-0 for it to be over. But Chelsea was not messing around in this match. And it's like you say, you wouldn't have thought that three days earlier we played against a very high-quality Arsenal team that ran us ragged, you know, taking 66% of possession. Right. And Hayes didn't think, well, you know, let's maybe play some of our fringe players. She played a pretty strong starting lineup against Bristol City. And I wonder whether that's... Um, almost like a response to performances in the past. Like, was it the the defeat to, to sort of a few weeks ago where she rotated heavily? I think it's more of a statement she's made. Um, and in, the players responded five goals and it, and it could have been more. Yeah. And you know what? I think that's a really good point because I do think she did that. She named basically the same, the exact same team. I think Bethany England came in for Melanie loopholes, you know, and got in a forward position, but that was the only change. The rest of the 11 was the exact same. And I think she could have rotated for Bristol. Bristol, you know, all respect to them. They are at the bottom of the table. They had been in their best run of the season. I think our, our former friend, you know, a guy we know, Matt Beard, mm-hmm. uh, know him fairly well from being a, a manager at Chelsea. Um, so we do, we do have, you know, they were in a better run of form. Ebony Salmon is always dangerous. You know, you do have to watch out for her. You can't play such a high line because if she gets behind you, nobody's catching her. Mm-hmm. And so you do have, they do pose a threat and a credible threat. They're not a toothless team, but... You know, and it, it looked that way. Exactly. And that's that gives, like you said, credit after that Arsenal match, which was physically exhausting to come out and and basically go at Bristol that hard <laughs> the way that they did and try to end that match by halftime and actually doing they try to end the match, you know, like I mentioned, 10 minutes in, but they ended up ending it by halftime and then added a couple more goals. It's just I'm just I'm just like really delighted with how this team is playing right now and really, really happy that so many of the players are getting in positions that we really wanted to see them in, especially Pernell Harder. It's possible that somebody somewhere has sacrificed their soul for this current <laughs> current run. We're sitting here saying, yeah, Emma Hayes, amazing, team's amazing. Somebody somewhere has has done the, has made a deal with the devil and this is why we're playing so amazingly good. Just I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't, I, 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 you know, we we are not a podcast that shies away from from being, you know, from from dipping into dark magic to try to help the team better, you know, whatever we need to deal with, we will just deal with the side effects and the consequences. If we grow horns, we grow horns. We did That's encourage it, it also. We, we did on a football <laughs> podcast called to our listeners and fans to, to dip into the dark arts and possibly help us get some results. So, Whichever you know. one of you did it, we really appreciate it because especially from Pernell Harder, I think she's in her last three starts. So she didn't start. She played against uh, Brighton, the match we lost. She came on. Uh, I believe it was at the 55 minute mark along with um, with uh, Fran Kirby. But of her last three starts and one was against West Ham in a in the it was the Conte Cup semifinal. And then these last two starts against Arsenal and Bristol City. Pernell Harder has scored six goals in three starts. She scored a hat trick versus West Ham. She scored two against Arsenal and then one against Bristol. And that Bristol match was actually really fun because all the forwards got in. You know, Sam Kerr got a goal. Fran Kirby got a couple. You had uh, Bethany England getting a goal and Pernell Harder got a goal. That's exactly what you want to see as a Chelsea fan. Yeah, just goals, goals, goals everywhere you see. And there's no pressure really on any particular player to be the sole provider because the current system and formation um, is so attack heavy that it allows us to simply just sort of thrive in the element of attacking. And and all of our front players, as you mentioned, they're so in tune with each other, the positioning, the awareness, the passing. It's just everything is on point. And, you know, I hope I hope this run continues because right now 
I don't see how things could get any better. We're just sort of on top of the world. And we're going to get uh, get into a little bit of a tactical breakdown here of what Chelsea's been doing recently to be able to have this run of, of just scoring buckets of goals whenever they felt like it. So stick with us. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back. Thank you for sticking with us through the break. Now we're going to have some fun because we really get to talk about what we love to talk about, the tactical side of the game and what we've seen from Emma Hayes so far in the second half of the season and the effect that it's had. So, uh, Mariam, what have you seen? What's been different? I know we played a lot of formations in the first half of the season, but what has been kind of like a couple of the key differences in the way that the team has been playing since the turn of the new year? I think if you look back to the games that we played and we discussed this on air before recording, there was definitely a noticeable shift in our formation ever since the second leg of the Benfica game. So from there on, we've just seen a bucket load of goals. The attacking formations uh, have, have been tweaked. And not only that, our issues that we mentioned in the attacking deep dive in terms of clinicality and, and XG and all those sort of problems, they've seemed to disappear. You might be wondering why, how has it all kind of just disappeared? We didn't wave a magic wand, you know, there was, as much as we liked, there was no devil worshipping included. What actually was the case was that Emma Hayes, um, she switched up from the formation that she was using to a, a more attack-heavy formation, and that involved pushing G back um, into the double pivot role, which actually worked wonders because it really, her relationship with Melanie Lupoltz is what's called a really thriving in, in the middle of the pitch. And that allowed Fran Kirby to go all the way further up. And now she's in this more lethal position in terms of providing passes and goal scoring. And it's really proved wonders for her. She had that um, that hat-trick or the perfect hat-trick against Reading. And since then, she's just been scoring. And you could bank on her to score in every single game. And you, that bet would cop out if you were waging on that. Um, and it's, it's not been just her. It's, it's allowed um, harder to drift into the left where Kirby would naturally be if she was playing deeper. It's allowed Sam Kerr to push further up and have that gap up um, on the right-hand side as well. And I think what's happened is that we have a very interchangeable and a very weaving front six or front five, if you include the two in the midfield. Yeah, and I think that that key that you just said is interchanging. That's got to be such a nightmare for a defense with the way that we're playing right now. And we, we've seen that, you know, even even, you know, the if you look at the lineups, you know, even on FB ref and, and you know, you, you kind of football reference dot com, FB That's where I get a lot of the stats about the team. Um, they're usually about a day late updating. So if you're trying to find stats right after the match, you're going to have to wait a little bit. Um, but they're really good at, uh, at compiling the numbers and giving you something to look at. Um, and, you know, they have us. It seems like the the goal, the the plan for Emma Hayes against, you know, top-notch competition, you know, top of the table type competition, we do a double pivot in midfield and do a 4-2-3-1. And so that's normally when you'll see Melanie Loopholes and G next to each other um, playing in that double pivot. Sometimes she's gone loopholes angle, but she's kind of done that a lot less recently. And then if we're going against, you know, competition that is in the lower half of the table, it seems like we're going 4-1-3-2 with just putting either Melanie Loopholes or Sophie Engel in that lone, you know, defensive midfield position. And then having the, having the three, she actually puts G out toward the left sometimes, but in, in play, like in gameplay, what ends up happening is G actually kind of drops down a little bit lower 
she still stays wide left, but she what she does is she kind of drags the defender to her and she creates a lot of space in behind for Sam Kerr to run into. And so there was a goal. I can't remember exactly which match it was, but there was a goal where Erickson just kind of lobbed the ball over the top and it flew over the head of G and it bounced right into that space. And Sam Kerr rushed onto it, flicked it across. I think that was probably against Bright, uh, Bristol. Yeah, flicked it across goal and it ended up being a goal for I think it was Frank Kirby who got her foot on that one. And so you're seeing so much interchange and you're seeing with G out wide and her ability to influence and to draw defenders and actually read space. She's able to release Sam Kerr when Sam Kerr pulls wide. And like you mentioned, we're also able to see that that half space that like typical number 10 area where somebody plays just in the top in the space above the top of the box. You're seeing Pernell Harder be able to get in that position. You're seeing Fran Kirby able to get into that position and you're seeing them work well with one another. You know, when one of them has the ball, the other one makes a run, a diagonal run into the box and they can just slide the ball, you know, beyond the line. And then the cutbacks on, you know, the defense is reacting because that's Fran Kirby with the ball in the box and she cuts it back. And all of a sudden nobody's with Pernell Harder or vice versa. It has been so effective to watch defenses struggle so much versus this type of play. That's what I was going to say. It's so difficult to defend against a team where the players are practically telepathic and know where (laughs) they're going to be. They don't have to look at each other, know where the passes are, know where the runs are. Because you can't guarantee anything. There's no fixed positions. They're sort of of positions that we know in terms of of a normal football team. They don't dictate by that. They're very much in tune with each other. And that and that means that you, you literally can't even man mark them. Like for example, we watched in the United game, they tried to keep tabs on um on harder and they just couldn't. She was all over the place. It's just it's so difficult to defend against. And you wonder what exactly can teams do to to beat us. And we briefly mentioned because we're not going to go too deep in this, but we did mention the first 15, 20 minutes against the Spurs game where we struggled a lot with with sort of adjusting to to take our new formation into games. And then more recently, the anomalous defeat where we struggled a lot in terms of creating chances. So there ha- have been blips with this formation and this new change of system, but the majority seems to be a success. And and to define that success, you know, you can we can kind of look at the turn of the year, the results since the turn of the year. And you can kind of look at it and say, like, against Reading, 5-0, you know, the Chelsea-Manchester United match was tight, but it was 2-1 uh, to us. And Manchester United is a very strong defensive team. So getting a couple goals on top of them is not a small feat. You know, we did have the the, the Conte Cup quarterfinal against Manchester City. This final scoreline was 4-2, but we did have a difficult, if you remember the craziness of that match, it was 2-1 to City in about the 85th, 86th minute. Uh, and we turned that one all the way around in in full time and then went and added extra time, added a couple more goals. But then you kind of see this recent run where Aston Villa 4-0, Tottenham 4-0, uh, the, the Conti Cup semifinal against West Ham 6-0. We did have that Brighton match where uh, Hayes maybe made too many substitutions mm-hmm. and we weren't able to dig out of it. So that was a 2-1 loss. But then you see the match versus uh, Arsenal 3-0 against Bristol 5-0. You're seeing piles of goals thrown on teams. And to try to answer your question as far as defending us, I have no idea. And that's exactly like what we were thinking. Like, that's exactly what we were thinking when, you know, you add someone like Pernell Harder to Fran Kirby, to Sam Kerr, to even Bethany England. You know, you think about all the talent and all the versatility in the in the way that those players play. And that's why we really wanted early on, you know, I'm sure you guys got sick of us 
we kept saying, you know, we want to see Pernell Harder in that space that G is currently occupying. But this is no, why she yeah, can no, score no, from no. those angles. She's dangerous. And and G seems to be thriving in her new position. I think yeah. you mentioned it before. It takes a lot of pressure off her. She yes. doesn't have to deliver instantly. She doesn't have to find passes instantly. Instead, she's doing what she enjoys doing. However, she's alongside an absolute Megatron of a midfield player in Melanie Leupold's. She has that guidance, that sense of, okay, I don't have to find every single pass. I'm here to protect and I'm also here to provide. And also the odd goal as well, because we know she does like to shoot from outside the box. So it's just, it's really opened things up. And I think that it's made for much more positive viewing as we look ahead to the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And I also wanted to give a quick shout out to Sam Kerr because, you know, uh, the 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 kind of book on her early, especially her Chelsea career, is that she misses a lot of chances. And that is not an untrue statement. She has missed a lot of chances. But you look at the scoring leaders, she's got 11 tied with Fran Kirby. And that's one behind Miedema, who, you know, weirdly at the recording of this pod, she hasn't scored in the league since November. So I like that's a real worry for if I'm an Arsenal fan, but I'm not. So we get to we get to kind of laugh at it (laughs) Uh, and we just beat them and we don't play them again. So, oh, well. Um, but yeah, you kind of look at Sam Kerr and you think, wow, she's, she's still, you know, lacking a bit of confidence in front of goal. She's still having a hard time being clinical, but the sheer amount of work that she does allows the rest of those players to play their games, like the max to maximize their games. And that's really the benefit of Sam Kerr. So even if she's not knocking in the goals, which clearly she's doing enough of to score 11, um, and be one away from topping the league. Because uh, she definitely has more assists than Yadam. I think she has four. Uh, Frank Kirby has six assists. Um, think about that. 11 goals and six assists for Frank Kirby. Um, <laughs> it's wild. But but Sam Kerr has been all over the pitch. Her energy and athleticism really helps us press, you know, the opposition defense. You know, when they try to hold the ball, she knows how to get in the way of passes. And when she collects the ball, she knows how to roll it uh, to those to, to the dangerous players like Frank Kirby or Pernell Harder. She's also turned provider a number of times, you know, when we mentioned earlier about her you know, running down the line, you know, working in that space on the left and being able to flick the ball across goal and get the ball into dangerous areas. She's very comfortable doing that, too. So even though she's not scoring the goals, maybe at the rate that her XG would suggest, she is still one scoring a ton of goals and two having a tremendous effect on the defense. I mean, you, you probably, you can probably ask defenses, you know, are you, <laughs> would you prefer Sam Kerr just be able to like score a couple goals on you or would you prefer her like torment your life and you never know exactly who's going to be <laughs> coming in behind her to score the goals? I don't know which one they take. Yeah. It's just, it's just like every single one of our players has developed and upgraded so much since the beginning of the season. I think people forget to sort of think that Sam Kerr is one of those players. I mean, sure. She came in the team as a superstar nationally. We know how, how her reputation and her track record is, but there was still quite a way to go, especially as somebody who's recently joined the WSL. I yeah. think this season we're seeing her grow and excel in ways that perhaps she didn't realize or people haven't realized. And I think playing alongside the likes of Kirby and playing in this team and the way that Mahez is tactically set it up I think it's it's really seen as start to shine especially it's nice to see especially after the issues that we mentioned um early on the season even right off the bat from the community shield it's nice to see her in this sort of form around players who are in similar form yeah and I do hope that Emma Hayes and, and you know the, even not even just Emma Hayes the rest of the team has told Sam Kerr like look don't worry about it keep doing exactly what you're doing 
So I wanted to quickly, you know, kind of look ahead to the rest of the season and our and our path towards the title. We are top of the league. Uh, Manchester City does have a game in hand, but even if they win that, they're yeah, two points worried. behind us. Yeah, so it really looks like, I mean, I, I don't want to say this too early, right? But it kind of looks like the, the next matchup versus City, which is currently scheduled for the 25th of April, that's probably going to be for the league, right? Yeah, because even though, um, even though, like you mentioned, if they win their game, they're still two points behind. I wouldn't put it past them to to make up the gap just out of the sheer depth of um, forwarding uh, forward plays that they have at the moment. And we know the investments they made of the summer, like Roosevelt, um, you know, those are players who are still growing in the game, the WSL, as we've just spoken about Sam Kerr. So there's no reason for us to, you know, not sort of think that it's sort of just our our league now. I think we still have some time to for City to make up that gap. And so it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. But I just don't see us not like continuing in the same vein of form we are in at the moment. I don't see us not scoring goals. I don't see us um, losing. Apart from these anomalous games, we are having defeats in and, and, and there we've identified the weaknesses. So it's going to be pretty tough, I think, either way. Yeah, and I think, I th- you know, both of us have been through, you know, we've been through Manchester United. We've been through Arsenal. The only really tough team until we play each other again is Everton. And even Everton is struggling right now. So that may not even be a tough team uh, to play depending on their form. So we'll have to see. But yeah, it really is looking like that that matchup in late April is going to be the title decider. Um, and really, Chelsea's in obviously in the better position for it. You know, if we get a draw, we still we're, we're still good. You know, we're still secure at the top of the table as long as we keep winning. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I do appreciate that it is coming down to the wire just a bit. Um, City kind of kept pace with us and we'll see, you know, that matchup is going to be huge and we're kind of looking forward to it already. You just got to take care of business between now and then. Part of that is taking a look ahead at what's next. Champions League is back. We're excited about that. Uh, the 3rd of March, we play Atletico Madrid. You kind of look at some of the draws that some of the other teams got and you think, wow, that is that is that seems like a little bit of an easier path than Atletico Madrid. But, you know, obviously not complaining. Chelsea is a better team and should win. Well, Atletico Madrid, it's interesting you say that. At the moment, they are fourth in the um, the Liga table over on the women's side. However, their recent results have been quite uh, quite fluctuating. Like it hasn't sort of been straight wins. They've lost three 0 to to teams. They've drawn. It's not been all sort of consistent performances where they are dominating. So although it might seem like quite a big task to take on, especially because we know that those are teams that like to set out in more defensive formations, I think that we've got the chance to to really um, dominate ourselves with our attacking performances. They're not really consistent in their in their in their so there's there's more of a chance of us actually putting in a decent performance. Yeah, I would agree with that. And actually that's a good sneak peek. We do plan on doing a Champions League pod and kind of look at our route, what might become our route to in the Champions League, maybe to the semifinal, hopefully to the final, and then we'll see. But uh, we are going to do one of those coming up in the next week or two. Should be fun, so keep an eye out for that. Our next match in the league is four days after that in the uh, in the WSL. We're playing West Ham again in okay. on the seventh of March. Hopefully, it's not as hectic as the the recent game we've had with them. <laughs> Yeah, we could definitely use without that use, uh, not have one of those. We don't necessarily want those kind of matches again. And honestly, I don't really anticipate it. 
Uh, it should be pretty straightforward. Unfortunately, they are one of the teams that is in a bit of a spiral. And if Bristol pick up a couple points here and there, uh, West Ham could be looking at the bottom of the table too. So they're, they're not in a great position. Um, but as we know, as we've seen before, can't really underestimate any competition. You do have to make sure you show up. You do have to make sure the players show up ready. And um, as long as it's like the, the, the Conti Cup semifinal that we won 6-0 and not the other match, I think mm-hmm. we'll be all right. <laughs> So thank you guys for listening. Be sure to rate and review this podcast. It helps us grow. It's a nice thing to do. It helps us connect to the community there uh, that we have around this team. We love it. We love y'all. And thank you for interacting with us um, on Twitter as well. We appreciate it and hope you appreciate the live tweeting of the matches. Um, if you do have a podcast uh, platform that allows you to rate, we do request humbly five stars. Uh, that does help the podcast grow, and it does actually mean something in this podcast currency world. And we have also been reliably notified that Fran Kirby herself will get very upset. If you want to see Fran Kirby continue her form, you need to give us those five stars. <laughs> or, you know, you know, sacrifice a soul. Either way, five stars. Uh, well, dark magic is back again. Yes, we, we, <laughs> that is something we also promote here at Fran Kirby's Fight Club. It's turning into a cult more than a fight club, but that's all right. <laughs> well, well, the cult of Fran Kirby, maybe that's that's what we'll change the name transition. to for season two. <laughs> all right. <transition. laughs> I love it. So thank you guys again for listening. Buckle up. The title, this is this is the descent of this season where things pick up, titles are on the line, the team's gonna be playing a lot of high pressure matches, trying to collect as many trophies as possible. So get ready for the fun. It's starting very soon. So we'll talk to you guys later in our Champions League uh, pod. And until then, have a good one.